If you could create one powerful change at work, what would it be? Would you change the way oncologists view your role and develop a successful head and neck cancer program for patients before, during, and after their treatment? Maybe you would change the way your clinical director values your services and gets them to approve funding for tools and continuing education the same way they fund PT and OT. Or maybe you would change the way oral care and thickened liquids are managed at your facility and be the reason behind reducing rates of aspiration pneumonia thanks to the protocols you implement. Whatever the change may be, I have good news. You can make it happen in the next six months. You're invited to join the Changemakers Collective, a strategic mentorship program starting this June. I'm looking for medical SLPs who want to make some serious change at work or in their community, the kind of change that has a ripple effect. Throughout the six-month program, you'll develop a tangible goal and receive step-by-step guidance to achieve that goal. Don't have a specific goal in mind yet, but know that something needs to change. Our mentors can help you iron out the details. This includes 18 group mentor calls for advanced ASHA CEUs, templates, a private community, and high-touch support for high-level goals. Go to www.medslpcollective.com forward slash changemakers to learn more. Again, that's www.medslpcollective.com forward slash changemakers. On this episode of the Swallier Pride podcast, we have Ashley Michaelis and Sarah Stone. Ashley began her undergraduate degree in voice performance and music education at Case Western Reserve University and the Cleveland Institute of Music. She encountered her own voice difficulties during her studies, and as a result, she found the field of speech-language pathology. She then completed her graduate degree at the University of Wyoming. She's worked in private practice, schools, outpatient rehab, inpatient rehab, acute care, and various multidisciplinary clinics. She has also taught the voice disorders graduate level class at the University of Vermont. Her specialty areas are singing voice rehab, voice disorder, swallowing disorders, upper airway disorders, and neurogenic communication disorders. And Ashley is joined by a colleague of her, Sarah Sohn. She is a DPT. Uh, Dr. Sarah is a board-certified pelvic floor specialist. She helps individuals overcome chronic pelvic pain. Dr. Sarah has always had a special interest in voice performance and using the voice for pelvic floor rehab. Additionally, she provides professional development programs to healthcare professionals on sexual health and pelvic floor concerns. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is a little snippet from, uh, we recently held the MetaSLP Summit, uh, hosted by the MetaSLP Collective, and the name of this year's summit was dynamic duos. So it was all about interdisciplinary teams. So we had an SLP paired up with a different professional. So if you're interested in checking out the dynamic duo summit, you can still check it out at metaslpcollective.com forward slash summit and access the recordings for ASHA CEUs. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders and founder of the MetaSLP Collective and MetaSLP Education. This podcast is dedicated to delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere, while also recognizing that medical SLPs everywhere are doing the best with what they've got. Whether you are a new clinician seeking tangible tools for therapy or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is simple, to help you advance your practice without feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated. This means that together we'll build confidence, broaden your knowledge, and reignite your passion for our field. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride and be open to new ideas because at the end of the day, you and your patients deserve that kind of support. With that, let's dive in. 
just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good afternoon, Ashley and Sarah. Hi. Hi. It's so good to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm really excited for this episode. This is, this is going to be great. So Ashley, you, you've, you're a repeat offender on the podcast. So if you want to just tell a little bit about, you know, what, what transpired, what inspired this podcast? Sure. So, um, I'm Ashley Michaelis and I'm a speech language pathologist. One of my specialty areas is voice. And, um, I had been talking with, uh, Teresa and some of the other mentors, um, I think during one of our meetings for Meta SLP Collective about collaboration with a pelvic floor PT for voice. And it kind of sparked a discussion of, oh, it'd be really cool to do, you know, a talk on that. And um, then the summit, the upcoming spring summit came about and um, the idea of doing the dynamic duos. And I was so excited to be offered the opportunity to talk with Dr. Sarasone um, about the voice pelvic floor connection. She's somebody that I absolutely adore as both a person and a practitioner. And um, I've worked with both professionally, but also personally in the performance world. So she has some voice background as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really excited to bring this um, topic to people who may be unaware that there is even a connection. I think this is just such a like, I'm so glad it's being like brought to light. You know, I mean, my, my daughter's three now, my son is seven, my daughter's three, but it's just like, now you hear all this stuff. And I'm like, why like were people not talking about this? Like right after I had my kids. So hopefully people can learn from this conversation. So yeah. So um Sarah, if you want to tell people a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi. I'm so glad to be here as well. So I think I'm going to start with just the fact that I love the voice. I love to sing. I've always been that way. And even since a little girl, I, my singing teacher would tell me like to squeeze my tampon before I even knew what a tampon was. And I was very confused. So just, you know, I had, my mom was an OBGYN. So I knew like a little bit more than maybe the average kid about that area of my body, but, but that really like learning how to use my pelvic floor at a young age for singing. And then when you know, I became a pelvic floor physical therapist. So basically I have a doctorate in physical therapy and did more school in pelvic health. And I subspecialized in pelvic pain disorders. So that's helping people that are having things like pain with sex pain down there because of different pathologies like endometriosis or prostatitis for the people with penises. And um I started to realize that when we're thinking of different ways to help with relaxing those muscles or muscles just like anywhere else in our body, that the tools can sometimes be a little bit limited or a little bit not as much as we think of when we think of exercises for a muscle, right? We think of like strengthening the muscle. And that was something I'm very passionate about is helping with people with those things. So trying to learn the voice and pelvic floor connection has just enabled me to have a bigger toolbox when I'm helping clients with these things. And it's also helped me because I just love having quirky conversations. I love to work in these really taboo spaces. I'm also have a business where I, 
A, help health providers and coaches to become experts in sexual wellness and pelvic health and to help clients in this way. And so this felt like a very natural step to be, I talk about sex online all the time and talking about pelvic health and the voice and the connection, all these things is just a lot of fun for me. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So where should we, where should we start, Ashley? Um, so I think that one of the things that, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this um, topic up is because I feel like it isn't something that is often talked about within the field of speech language pathology. I know that I was talking with Sarah and we were talking about how in the speech language pathology literature, especially the voice literature, we often are kind of constricted into the box of the diaphragm up. And in the pelvic floor literature, they are often talking about the pelvic or the diaphragm down. And there's not really any kind of overlap that occurs in the literature. There's some recent mention of it in some of the literature. And um, I think there's more coming out, but it it is just such an important connection to know about. I know that for me, when I am, you know, working with my voice patients, I would say probably 80 to 90% of them have some pelvic floor dysfunction. And there is some sort of connection between that and what we're doing in voice work. So it's not something that is often talked about. It's not something that's often taught but it is really important for us to kind of know that there's a connection and understand how that connection works. Talk to me a little bit about how you sort of hypothesized that. Like, did you sort of have these ideas about it and then seek out, you know, somebody like Sarah or a more pelvic floor specialist, or was it, did you talk, did you hear from her and hear about it? And then it sort of clicked for you. Yeah. So I think um, when I did my initial undergrad work as a vocal performance major and and just training in voice performance and singing up uh, to that point, I had very frequently been taught a lot of things that were not very accurate. Um, I think one of the things that I, I told Sarah is just one of my just it grates my gears is that there's a lot of voice teachers out there that will say, breathe from your diaphragm or engage your diaphragm, um, which if we know the, you know, anatomy and the physiology, it's, it's not actually possible to engage the diaphragm. And so there's just a lot of things like that, that I was noticing um, as I was doing my studies and also about vocal health and hygiene that were just like these weird things that people were teaching that didn't jive with then what I was learning in speech language pathology world. It was like two colliding um, forces. And one of them was that the breathe from the diaphragm school of thought versus the squeeze your tampon school of thought that some of some singers were being taught. And I was like, there's something here that's just missing or not connecting. And then I also was noticing just a pattern with my patients as they were coming in um, as I was working, especially with women who were coming in postpartum and who were having breathiness of their voice, difficulty with supporting their voice, especially like when they were reading bedtime stories to their children. 
<laughs> and so the voice complaints were like, I, I just noticed that there was some sort of connection. And so I started talking to a lot of pelvic floor physical therapists and, and other specialists in the area to kind of delve more into that um, and really found that we should be looking at way further down from the diaphragm than we are as speech language pathologists in order to be able to provide more holistic services. So where does, so where does Sarah come into all this? Yeah. So Sarah is, um, I, I know her through theater and I also, um, work, have worked with her professionally in the past as pelvic floor physical therapist. And, and so I reached out to her about, you know, connecting over this topic because it was something that we were both super passionate about. And I just think that it can be something that opens doors for a lot of people um, to explore things that maybe they wouldn't have thought about previously. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, so I know, like I said, Ashley professionally, and then also um, through singing and understanding how we use our breath is a big part of pelvic floor rehab. So when you see somebody, let's, let's go with postpartum because that's something that's talked about the most, right? People, often don't know about voice therapy the same way that they don't know about pelvic floor therapy, that it is even a thing you can do. And so when someone does know about it, it's usually in the postpartum area. So let's go with that. If someone is having some issues with their pelvic floor, it's not always a a problem of weakness, right? Where you need to be strengthening the muscle. Sometimes there's hypertonicity or the muscle, just like with it happens like in the vocal area. So learning how to help people with different breath exercises will teach, you know, and I'm using quotes that you can't see in a podcast, but diaphragmatic breathing to try to help somebody to rest the pelvic floor and starting to learn about that connection and have conversations with Ashley of like, why are we ignoring completely from the diaphragm to the glottis? Why do we teach laboring uh, in labor and delivery to make these guttural, low sounding noises to help to rest the pelvic floor and help with the baby come out, but not use that any other time, right? Uh, just as a small example, how are those things even connected? Where's the science here? And I started to look and it was just, gives me the tingles. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it feels like I was put on this planet to have this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it's also just, really fascinating if you do delve into the science behind it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to talk more about this in the summit coming up, but just the ways in which the vocal mechanism and the pelvic floor mechanism are so similar in function, in structure, in what they do for our bodies is like, mind blowing. And even to the point where if you look at, you know, the vocal folds and the pelvic floor, it's like, they're identical. They look identical. <laughs> they have, the, you know, they're both pressure systems. We're going to talk about that in the summit. And they, they're both like these, also these emotional powerhouses, right? Cause they're these places where we really are, there's a lot of intimacy surrounding the voice. There's a lot of intimacy surrounding the pelvic floor. And I think that we just don't always make the connection. Like we always think of them as split things. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd love to dive into a little bit of the research if, if you guys can. You know, you're saying you like haven't found, you know, you found some about one area and some about the other, but not really some overlapping. Yeah, so there is some that's overlapping. And in the summit, we're going to present some of the research. There is a pelvic floor physical therapist that has like teamed up and done some uh, work in trying to understand the whole system together from the glottis all the way to the pelvic floor. So I'm really excited in the summit to kind of dive deeper into that. I think there's a little bit of ground understanding I'd like to explain first before like hopping right into the research of how they're all connected. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to do that in the summit. Can you Can you dive into a little bit of that now? It's asking questions of, well, how are they even connected? So trying to understand how the pressure system is connected. So when someone is taking an inhale, right, we know how the diaphragm is changing. That's allowing more air into our body. So how, what is that actually changing at the pelvic floor? So they used ultrasound to study what was happening at the pelvic floor and what was happening at the vocal cord area and how that was changing. And to try to understand why certain things are happening. And in a, basically when you are resting the pelvic floor, how is that influencing the voice? And when you're resting the voice, how is it influencing the pelvic floor versus making a high pitch sound? Um, how is that influencing the pelvic floor? If you think of like, I think of like a cartoon, they make like a high pitched sound and they squeeze their butt cheeks. Like, is that an actual thing that's happening in the body? And this was a small sample size in, in some of the studies that we were looking at, but it was showing that correlation of high pitched sounds and a more, um, contraction of the pelvic floor and low sounds and resting of the pelvic floor. What has been disproven is the, the sphincter, what is it, Paula method? The idea that when you close some sphincters, other sphincters further away close. So the idea that if you close or open your mouth, your eyes, that that will change sphincters elsewhere, like around your pelvic floor, that has been disproven. But understanding how the pressure system worked is the way that that we're trying to research and understand now. Interesting. I think that the connection that they kind of allude to in some of the up like emerging literature. I believe Gordon and Reed in their 2020 article talks about it a little bit is that as as speech language pathologists, we know that um, intrathoracic pressure is like key to producing voice. And in order to have good intrathoracic pressure, pressure, you have to have good movement of the diaphragm, but the diaphragm doesn't move without the movement of the pelvic floor and also without a change in the interabdominal pressure. Am I correct, Sarah? Uh, yes. Yeah, sorry. I was making sure that <laughs> the, I wanted to make sure that I, I said the author's name, um, Rudavsky, yeah. and that you all had the, um, so the show notes, you can put the, the literature that we're, we're bringing up for people to read. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So there's, you know, we need the intrathoracic pressure to create voice, but but we also need the intra-abdominal pressure to support that intrathoracic pressure to make voice. So it is um they're they're you know they they go together and they work in in harmony with one another. And when they're not really working in harmony, that you know can can definitely be seen. The tension, like that we see with muscle tension dysphonia, very similar to some of what Sarah's talking about with like 
you know, the contractions of the muscles of the pelvic floor, you know, not being relaxed, very similar. And it's just, it's so you, uh, I think it's so uniquely glossed over, (laughs) but so very interesting. Like, I think, I think I could probably talk about this all day. Sarah probably could talk about this all day too, because it's just, we find it both like we both find it super fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so fascinating because I think, you know, it wasn't too long ago, maybe like within the last five years or something, we realized like how much the esophageal pressures had an impact on swallowing, you know, and now I'm, I'm envisioning like how much these pressures impact the voice. And, and it's, you know, it's so fascinating. We always put just voice and swallowing in a box, literally. Um, but now, you know, we're learning so much more about these other body systems that have such a huge impact on these that we, you know, it's, it, we can't isolate them anymore. They're not meant to be, you know, just looked at in isolation. Imagine a virtual library stacked with full day medical SLP courses that provide more case studies, more research, more perspectives, and more examples of how to actually apply what you learn at work. Well, my friend, imagine no more. At medslped.com, you'll discover a growing list of medically intensive courses just for SLPs that are eight plus hours each. Whether you want to grow your clinical knowledge and skills in dysphagia, motor speech disorders, AAC, upper airway disease, neurology, or even the fundamental roles of medical SLP, we have a course for you. Go to medslped.com, that's M-E-D-S-L-P-E-D.com, and check out our individual courses or any of our bundled courses for a discount. This month, we're featuring a 10-hour course registered for advanced ASH CEUs by Michelle Deegan, all about spinal cord injury. You can check out this course and any of our other courses by using promo code SYP to get $50 off any course. You know, Ashley, I'm curious, like, how has this changed your practice? Is this something that you now, like, look for in patients? Or talk to me just a little bit about about that. Yeah, so um, when I started noticing, as I was kind of, like, doing chart reviews, just the connection. And it was more of a hypothesis at that point that I was just, like, seeing these things in the chart. And I was like, why is this always in the chart with these patients? I started just asking the question when they were doing my initial patient interview of, are you having any pelvic floor dysfunction or, or, you know, have you had any pelvic floor dysfunction? If you don't know what that means, do you have any problems with, you know, urinary um, incontinence? Do you have any lower back pain, jaw pain? Um, the questions that I kind of knew to ask from the talking with the pelvic floor physical therapists and inevitably like 80 to 90% of my patients were like, yes, <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I, you know, I've started using that as just a pretty standard intake question with my patients who have voice disorders, um, just kind of as a screening and also to make sure that they're getting the right services. So a lot of times I'm going to follow that up with, well, have you done, you know, pelvic floor physical therapy or, you know, would you be open to physical floor or pelvic floor physical therapy? Um, and can I hook you up with someone, um, who does it just so that they're getting to the right people. And also because as we know, you know, our, our body isn't one system. It's, it's, you know, multiple systems, but those systems really do work together. And I, you know, I might target voice and only get them so far, but if it's stemming from a more 
systematic issue, I want to make sure that that's being addressed as well. So I do, I do use it in my intake now. And I think that that's, that's important. Also, when we were putting together the presentation and talking through, we, um, came up with some exercises that we both do in like, I do invoice therapy and Sarah does in pelvic floor physical therapy that are very similar to one another. Like we're doing very similar things in treatment, but we talked about how we could even make them more similar or how we could like integrate the principles of, you know, one another's disciplines to kind of help make them more effective. And I, I definitely will be using that then in the future. And we're going to present on that in the summit and show people a couple of different exercises that are, that you could use and kind of walk away with. So that's pretty cool. Interesting. This is so fascinating. Yeah, Sarah, I'm going to ask you the same question, Sarah. Has has sort of learning more about this from Ashley, has it changed your practice or do you do anything differently or or do you ask, you know, your patients anything more about this now? Yeah. So, you know, I think similar to Ashley, I was only thinking about the intra-abdominal pressure and I wasn't at ever really thinking about how I could use the voice within the pelvic floor. And then reading Rudowski's research and trying to understand both the intradominal pressure, intravaginal pressure, and the subglottal pressure, how those are, uh, how that changes, how that changes like subglottal pressure and changes pitch of the voice. It helped me to think, you know, how could I be kind of reversing this and do this a little bit? So when I'm helping people maybe with pelvic floor resting, I might encourage a little bit of low guttural sounds. It's also just relaxing to think of like the whole polyvagal theory and stuff like that. And, and so other ways that can help with just overall resting, I start to think more about just not just the pressures, but just our anatomy and how things are connected. So a lot of people with pelvic floor, particularly hypertonicity, have often will also have some jaw pain. And and why is that? What is going on? And so that connection and starting to understand that just the the kinematics of when you're having some of this like cervical pain and jaw pain and how that's changing your voice and starting to just even ask the question. Sometimes I wasn't even, I very rarely was even asking questions. Have you noticed a difference in your voice? Like since you started having these problems, um, since you've had this surgery, have you started to notice a difference in your voice, your swallowing, your, and even opening just up how I ask questions, how I show up for my clients. I think that's what's changed the most more than treatment itself. And so I can empower people for referral. Um, and I do incorporate a little bit more than before it was just breath work. And now I'm like, what beyond breath work can I do? How can I incorporate the voice a little bit into the work that we're doing? Yeah, that's, that's, this is so fascinating. I love this so much. And I think that, you know, this is what I just love about, you know, interdisciplinary collaboration and, you know, there, you know, clearly there's a connection there, right? Like we all just think about like, why are we not thinking about these things when we clearly know from experience that they're very much connected, right? Yes. Right. So if we're increasing that pressure and you laugh, cough, sneeze, um, how, how is that connected? Like, how can we start to, if we're working on that pelvic floor and helping it, we're not having that leakage. How would that change the voice? How does that even impact the voice? How are these connected? Super fascinating. So I love to sing. I'm always singing, especially when I'm deeply thinking. I'm like, where did I leave my keys? So <laughs> now I'm like, See, I'm just practicing for my clients, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. The other thing in this, in what Sarah said kind of sparked this for me is that I think 
previously, I probably would, you know, talk about diaphragmatic breathing and, and, and teaching diaphragmatic breathing. And, and that would be kind of where I would stop with it. Um, instead of, you know, how can we, you know, do the diaphragmatic breathing and also either relax the pelvic floor or engage the pelvic floor, depending on what we're doing with our voice. Um, especially with my, you know, professional or occupational voice users who really need to know that connection and, and, and have that connection. Like, I think I incorporate that a whole lot more into my practice now than I did before I knew about these connections. Um, and I also, I do think a lot about the, the polyvagal, you know, theory as well and how the fight or flight response works and how that impacts our voice and, and how it impacts, you know, the whole system now instead of just the voice. Um, and so I think it's just, it's definitely more holistic practice, which I think is so super important and, and just better for our patients. I, I feel like I have much better outcomes with my patients since thinking about these kind of things and incorporating them. Yeah. And it's really changed. Even there's so much that, that we don't even think about in pelvic floor therapy that has to do with our voice. For example, I also help people with incontinence. So not leaking, let's say when they laugh, cough, sneeze, jump, or getting up from a chair. Also with their bowels, maybe they're having issues with things like constipation and they're always bearing down and how to learn how to rest the pelvic floor. Understanding the whole complex has helped me even physiologically understand some of the tools that we would give people. For example, we'll teach people blow before you go, right? To do a little exhale before they stand and how that can be connected. Maybe I can have them sing instead, (laughs) you know, like why not? That just sounds more fun. And more tools for, okay, we want to rest the pelvic floor and you're having a bowel movement so that things don't feel stuck at the exit. Like how can I help them even with using their voice or using their breath and how are these things connected? So it's really just opened up a whole, a whole world of just different ideas and yeah. anatomical understanding. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm totally blown away because I think this stuff is so integral to what we do. We just don't think about it. You know I mean? And exactly what you were just saying, Sarah, like there's so many things that can help us with, you know, that speech pathologists can, can, help with, with voice, with speaking, with swallowing and, and, you know, getting things moving. And even if it's just as simple as helping our patients with different breath exercises, like that's completely, you know, within our scope of practice and things that we should know about. So um, this is just wildly fascinating, you guys. And thank you so much for bringing this to light. I really hope that you inspire a lot of other SLPs to really investigate more of this work and incorporate a lot of it because I think it's so important. I think it's really just sort of opened up a whole nother window into really how cool our jobs can be. Yes. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here. And I just, I don't think it's a coincidence. I see behind you, you have a book. Is that the big leap by Gay Hendricks? Yes. Yes. I love that book. And so I'm hoping this will inspire a big leap in our, um, all of our practices where there's more collaboration between all the different professions. So I love that, Sarah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Any final thoughts, Ashley? I just hope that um, this does inspire people to kind of think outside the box when they are treating, um, you know, whatever, whatever disorder that they're treating, whether it's a voice disorder or not. You know, this has even got me thinking like, hmm, 
hmm, I wonder how the pelvic floor is connected to the swallowing, you know? Yeah, and so right, right, right. I, you know, I, I, I want people to just kind of open their minds to more than just the speech language pathology box. Um, I really hope that they do. Um, and I, I hope that this kind of inspires people to go talk with their other professionals that are around them, even if it's something that maybe you don't think is related because, you know, I initially probably had no idea that voice and, and pelvic floor was related. I just kind of s- stumbled into it and was like, whoa, mind blown. Um, and so I think just having those conversations and being open to that is just super important. Yeah. Awesome. I can't thank you guys enough. I love this. And you'll be talking more in depth about this on our MedSLP Summit. And I'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit. But thank you guys so much. I appreciate you so much. And I, I just love this topic. And I, I I really do hope it just opens up a whole new window for a lot of SLPs and PTs. Yes. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. And if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. And that's a wrap for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email list so that you'll never miss another episode. If you do like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.